We are good to go. Um, thank you for listening to RGC or even watching RGC WV Random Geek Culture in West Virginia. We are live tonight on YouTube. And um, usually I am the one that is the host of this show. However, tonight um, someone else has actually come up with a premise and has organized everything for this. So tonight, Alex will be our host. Alex, some words of wisdom or um, some organization for this episode? <laughs> yeah, so tonight we're going to be talking about console release titles. That's games that came out early into their platform's lifespan and had a lasting impact to us or the games industry or just really left an impression, a lasting impression. Um, and, you know, a lot of times those first impressions really drive sales of a console. I mean, sometimes even the system's very identity is is part of just the games that came out with the system pack-in games like uh, i'm thinking about wii sports for wii u or for the nintendo wii like that that was a big part of what that console was because it was a pack-in title um and in terms of like just driving sales just making people go out and buy the console uh, it's important that a new generation comes out with some knockout games. Absolute must-have stuff. And sometimes those release titles remain the very best for the whole system for its entire lifespan. Now, we're not going to cover every single console or every game for it or even all of our favorites. You know, we may not be able to. Just, uh, just time. Um, just the ones that left a, a big impression to us. So if there's a game that you'd like to mention, feel free to, to drop a comment about that and tell us about your, your favorite release titles. And now, if, a clarification is... Um, go on, Luke. I was just going to say, um, uh, we are doing this live, and I am monitoring the chat. So if anybody drops a comment in while we're doing this live, we will talk about this uh, live if you want. Now, to, to just to set the premise for what we're calling a release title, it's games that came out within one year of the console's release. Now, we're going to prefer to do earlier games, like pack-in titles, or like within the first couple of months, but a whole year, that's kind of release window. Um, and we're only talking about North American titles and their North American release dates, because a lot of these came out much earlier, you know, overseas or somewhere else, but it's where we played them, it's where we first saw them. For instance, Animal Crossing, which I don't remember the name at the time, but Animal Crossing originally came out for Nintendo 64, and but it was a uh, early launch game for GameCube, and so a lot of us would consider that a GameCube game because it, that's when it was released, or that's how it was released in North America. So, you know, outside of the states, that might not be the case for some of these dates. So yeah, um, early, early games. Um, who wants to start? Um, let's uh, let's let's have you go first, Alex, since it's it's your you lead us out lead us out. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Um, so my first pick for this is Super Mario Brothers for the NES. Like, this was probably one of the first games that I ever played. Um, you know, it. I think it is often underestimated just how much, by, by younger people who weren't there, Mario Mania was like a thing. Everything was Mario. When I was a kid, everything, Mario was everywhere. You had, you had all the merchandising and the cartoon and all that stuff. And, um, you know, we were talking a bit about, you know, we, did we play games during their release window? Or did we play them much later? And, well, Mario 1 came out in 85. I was born in 86. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I probably wasn't playing games until I was like three or four years old at my grandpa's house. That my grandpa had an NES because he was and, and always was a big kid. <laughs> you know, uh, he had an NES before any of the grandkids did. And I would go over to my grandpa's house and play Mario. And, um, and it was always, oh, he was so competitive. He was so competitive. He would get like legitimately mad whenever I would get farther than him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the game. Uh, but he could beat it. I remember he could beat it and I never could whenever, whenever I was little, he was, he was better at the game than I was. Um, you know, to talk about the game in a technical sense, in um in just what made it innovative and better than any other NES games. If you look at a lot of the NES's lineup um, early on, none of them held a candle to Mario Brothers. Like, that was the area of, like, one-screen games, like uh, Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr. or Pac-Man or Mr. Do, if anybody knows what that is, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that uh, most games took place on one screen and you cleared that screen and then you went on to the next level. You know, Mario had continuous horizontal scrolling, which was a feature that, like, there were a lot of platforms on the NES and not very many of them had that. Like, I mean, I'm even thinking, like, Mega Man. Remember how Mega Man worked? That, like, you come to the side of the screen and then you beat the guy on it and then you go to the next screen you know <laughs> that was uh that was the the sort of holdover from from older systems uh but it wasn't continuous and few games were that's part of what made mario one it controlled really tight something that many later games just didn't have you know <laughs> uh very tight very accurate very responsive controls and and that continuous scrolling that just kept the action moving until you got to the end of the level. Um, throughout the NES's lifespan, not very many games other than Mario Two and Mario Three, you know, uh, would would really hold a candle to, to this. So Mario One, it's a fantastic title, and it 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 holds its reputation today. So yeah, that was probably my first video game, Mario One. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> thoughts on Mario One, guys? I mean, uh, th there was other games for Nintendo. I mean, even me personally, that sold me on the Nintendo. I that I wanted a Nintendo for, but M Mario 
launched that system altogether. Yeah, I mean, not just talking about the a technical aspect, but it was just fun. Because, I mean, games coming before it, not talking about just the technical aspect, the the physics, the the feel of Mario in in, in his his acceleration, his 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 jumping motion and everything, nothing came even close to that before Mario. The mic and like and and after. That's the thing. And also after Mario, like a lot of uh, a lot of other games on the system that came out throughout its entire lifespan were like platformers, especially were clunky, hard to control, dated, like, you know, quickly dated, uh, just too hard, too crazy. You're, you're fighting the controls all the time. Many games that came out through its entire lifespan weren't even as good. Have you seen any of its comeback on online streaming? Oh God, yes. Oh it yeah. Made, even on TikTok, they will take their phone and point it at a TV screen and do these pop these low tech streams that will have three thousand people watching someone who's only like twenty years old playing a game from the early eighties. Right. <laughs> Nineteen eighty five. Year before I was born, Mario. That was the first game that uh, I ever beat. You're talking about beating it. Uh, it was the first game that I ever realized could be beat because before that, like playing Atari games, there was, there was no definitive end. You just kind of got somewhere <laughs> and then it over. So it, it was something I remember being very satisfying to to actually get to the end and the princess be there. Of course, it does start like the hard, harder like type worlds. We're the same, sorry, but, um, the princess is in another castle. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was the first one that I felt like I actually accomplished something by beating it. Mm. And, and I love that about it. And eventually my grandpa got tired of me coming over and playing uh, Mario and also Punch-Out. Um, uh, that he got me a Nintendo. <laughs> he got me my own Nintendo. Good old grandpa. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, Who's next? Yeah. Um. I'll go ahead and go next. Um. Since we did a early generation game, I'm gonna go for a late generation or later generation game. Current gen for Nintendo. And um. Well, that's this. That's this right here. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um. I remember. So that that this game launched Switch. For me, I mean, there was a lot of games that uh, people consider that was a launch. Um, I mean, there was also uh, Mario Odyssey, which was, you know, a big launch for Nintendo. But Z Breath of the Wild was the game for Switch. You can argue about that until you're blue in the face. It, it's, it was, it is and always will be. Breath of the Wild that launched the Switch. Now, um, I actually have a story um, to go along with this. Um, uh, but I'll, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and set the stage uh, first. So um, when this first came out, when they first announced it um, at uh, E3, that, that first trailer, it, it was all I could think about. Uh, I was like, I have got to play this game. And they announced it as the, the Skyrim killer or the skyrim competitor and 
there's lots of games that say that they're the they're the World of Warcraft killer, the World of Warcraft competitor, or they're the EverQuest competitor. Um, but uh, very few games actually live up to that expectation. And Breath of the Wild did exactly that. It was a competitor and a killer for me for Skyrim. I was playing Skyrim all the time. But when this came out, that's all I wanted to play. It wasn't playing Skyrim anymore. Um, and to the point that I wanted to play this so badly that um, I would actually go to Target whenever Cassie would go and shop around Target. I would be there <laughs> playing Target on the demo system for a half hour or an hour or whatever. You know, parents, you know, say, don't look at the, the, the weird man, little boy. Don't look what's at him. What's wrong He's, with that man, what's, Mom? What's wrong with that man? It's and, okay. Don't look at him. <laughs> in it was just such a great game. It was so immersive. Um, well, uh, to go get to my actual story, so um, Mike, um, who had a Switch at the time, uh, he um, decided to let me borrow his Switch because I didn't have one at the time. So to, to insert my part of the story is I finished Breath of the Wild and I was like, Hey, Luke, have you played this yet? And he's like, no, not really. And I was like, that is criminal that you have not played this yet. So I, I let him borrow my Switch for the summer. And, and you know what? I uh, So one of the things that I loved about that wasn't just the game, but it also highlighted something that was key for that system, which was being able to... I would be playing it on the TV because I would be playing it for hours and hours and hours every night. And I would be playing it on the TV, and then Cassie and Bella would come in the living room, and they'd be like, hey, we want to watch a show. So I would pick it up out of the dock, and I would keep playing it on the couch. It was literally doing exactly what the system was advertised to do, and it was highlighting that. It was letting me be able to go back and forth between handheld to TV. Um, obviously, I enjoyed the TV more, but the experience on the handheld was very similar to the, the TV experience. And I mean, I, I could go on and on about the mechanics or anything, but the game's been out long enough. Enough people have been playing it um, that, that that doesn't need to be, you know, explored in this in this. But I, I all I had to say is it launched the switch for me and it launched the switch for a lot of people. So, any any thoughts on that? Any any uh, interjections? You know, it's worth mentioning that uh, Breath of the Wild wasn't even an exclusive title. It was also on the Wii U, which is where I played it. And but it, it's not. There's that. no denying that people bought uh, a Switch to play Breath of the Wild, probably because they didn't have a Wii U. But uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people didn't have a Wii U. Right. Uh, that's 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 part of it. But uh, it is it is a game. You know, best. Uh, it's the mobile aspect of it was, was so new and so innovative at the time and having such a big game on a mobile system. Yeah, it really, it really is. Um, at that time, it was really good for a mobile game to be that nice. Cause I, I preferred it on the TV, but I would drag it to work or something and I'd be playing. It. I'm like, this, 
This is pretty nice for a, a handheld game. Right. Right. All right. Um, I think we're done with that one. So um, who who's next? Greg? Mike? I'll let Greg go. Okay. Well, I had some trouble picking one because I have actually been disappointed with a lot of consoles launch titles. So I was looking through that whole list. But I did see Final Fantasy II on there, which was four in Japan. And I was a fan of Final Fantasy from the very first one. I thought it was My five uncle in gave Japan. It to... I thought it, it was, was four. It was four. Four. Oh, okay. four. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, my uncle gave me the original game when he was done with it. And I played it over and over. It was my introduction into turn-based RPGs, JRPGs. So... When he got this one, he passed it along too. But because of the differences in the systems, it was a major leap. Of course, I didn't know at the time it was actually three more games in. But it was a major leap from the first one. Just what it could do, how big the world was. Um, and I I couldn't tell you how many hours I spent on that game. I beat it multiple times. And it's a it, it was a pretty long game in reality to play over from scratch, you know, beat it, start a new one, play it again. Um, and I don't, I think some people um, overlook it because, um, you know, three, which was six, and then seven came out after it, and they're extremely popular. So I think some people just kind of forgot to existed. But for one of the first games I remember playing on a uh, Super Nintendo it was really a step forward in the genre for me and with just the graphics and the mechanics and I still play it. It's on PC now, but I still play it. I go watch people stream it, even though I have like every line in the English version memorized at this point, <laughs> but um, it barred. really, it just, it really stuck with me. Um, and I think it is what really, the first one was my introduction, but I think this is what hooked me on RPGs, especially turn-based. Um, because of just the style and the things it could do and the characters and the narrative. I definitely like um, how they incorporated a lot more um, like job systems, or not so much job systems, but you know, classes. Classes, um, yeah, yeah, they they and they did it very very well. Um, I don't know if you've played the uh, the the 3D remake of that, but that one that one was actually pretty decent. Um, the 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 remake of some of the other ones was not as much. Yeah, not not as much. Um, but that but that one was actually pretty good. And some of the 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 um, cutscenes that they put into it mm -hmm. it was it was it was it was a lot more i don't know i i would say a, a lot more understandable um you know but of course i haven't played it, it the helped game. the narrative it, it, i haven't played the game like 30 times like it sounds like greg has <laughs> but i mean that's I how have. i that's how i am with uh, final fantasy 7 uh my, my experience towards that game is very similar to greg's uh my brother had a friend who gave us our copy 
And we, we got, I mean, it was probably 1997 when we got it. Um, but for being a late, you know, start to an SNES game, I was like, wow, the, the scope and the narrative of this is incredible. And I never realized it was that close to being a launch title. Uh, but th- yeah, that was my intro to Final Fantasy and uh, RPGs just in general. And uh, it, it, it's one that holds a special place in my heart. And I, I do wish, uh, wish it got more love than what it did. And, I'm holding out for a pixel remaster on the Switch. When when that day comes, I will scoop it up in a second. Uh, but until then, uh, it's in my memories. You know, that's a genre that is... That's a very old gaming genre, even to, like, really rudimentary DOS games had uh, had RPG stuff. And and they were before Final Fantasy, and especially, especially 2. Uh they 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 were much more rudimentary. I remember I, I've played one. I've not played two. Uh, I've played one, and I remember how simplistic, which you know it was it was relaxing in a way that you go into the town and everybody in the town says there are pirates in town, and then there's like a pirate. So, We're the pirates, and then you fight them, and then you get their ship, and you know that's 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 it. There's there's really not a lot of dialogue here, and then you beat them. You have defeated the pirates. You now have their ship. And then you go on to the next area, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how deep it was. And two was such a jump, you know, such a jump beyond that. The, the thing about that game, too, is I, I was never surprised by uh, Aerith's death in Final Fantasy VII because uh, they, they killed main characters off in that. And I, and I was never I was always like, why is this so shocking? They they've done the, they have priors. They've done this in the past. And so it is priors. <laughs> I mean, they put many characters in that game. Actually, most of them came back to life. Some didn't, but but it was enough that it kept you guessing who was going to make it and who wasn't. So it, it prepared me what was to come, I guess. So what's yours, Greg? Or I mean, Mike. Mike. I'm oh. sorry. God. So uh, for, for mine, I I decided to be more stringent with my uh, rules as far as launch titles go, and and picking true launch titles. Um, which are ones that came out with the console, uh, just, just so I didn't get too into, we- into the weeds with this. And I had a hard time. My, my second choice was easy. Uh, my first choice, I really went back and forth and did a lot of research for. And I just finally decided to start way back in the beginning where it started with me, which would have been the Atari 7800. And uh, the game I wanted to pick was one called Choplifter, which was an arcade port. A fantastic game. I, I downloaded the emulator uh like a year ago and, and played it and it still holds up as far as like terms of fun. Uh, but as far as I could tell, it was not uh, released within a launch window that I can see. So I decided to go with a, a true launch title for the Atari 7800, which is called Pole Position 2, which was a very intuitive racing game for such primitive hardware. Uh, it was an arcade port to the 7800. Um, and that is a console that I bought off my cousin because he wanted to buy an NES. And I was, I was a rube enough to uh, get my toes wet in the, the game industry with a lesser console. You're not knowing how great the NES was at the time. Um, but it, as far as like graphics at the time, it was a pretty amazing game because it, it wasn't like a top-down like race-around-the-track type of game. It was actual like... Uh, almost like 3D racing around a track type thing. I mean, it had very little uh, 
depth as far as what you could see ahead, but uh, it, it knew where the track was. Like, it had some pretty complex tracks, too, for the time. Uh, you know, being, like, 2-bit technology or whatever. Um, but I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, because I've, I've been doing some research on it, and you know, there's not a whole lot you can say about those days, but... Um, I was surprised to find that the, the Atari 7800 came out around the same time as the NES, which uh, I would have thought that it came out before the market crashed, because there were still some terrible games on it. Uh, but, but it came out around the same time, and of course, you know, you know NES stomped it with uh, Mario Brothers, which I completely understand. Uh, but uh, th this is a game that always kind of stood out with me, just because uh, it... it, it Went well with the the console. It was a it was a good game, and the Atari had that joystick thing that I think it was a joystick, and they had two buttons on each side that you pressed. Uh, and I think I think this game almost exclusively used a joystick, but it, it was a good joystick type game, uh, which is what I think made it perfect for a system launch. And so that's pretty much all I'll have to say about it. Have you, any of you all played it? I've played it. <sighs> yeah. It's it's okay to say no. <laughs> Do you remember your first time playing it, or the first time you saw it? Yeah, I, I believe my cousin brought it. Like he lived across uh, the state, he he brought it to our house when he visited, and and we sat there and played it the whole time he visited. And I was like, this, this is because that was my like first any exposure at all to video games. And I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> and and then you know, like three years later, I, I saw Super Mario. Mario Brothers for the first time, and I was like, "This is the most amazing thing ever." And uh, and then it happened again, you know, three or four years after that with the SNES launch, which brings me to my second title, which I will not run right now. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah, um, you know, I'm glad you picked one from uh, pre-NES days. Like that's, you know, I'm I'm glad you picked an Atari title. Yeah, and it, we both picked our first video game. Yeah. Yeah, my, go back to the roots. You know, yeah. that's where the genesis was of, of your love for video games. So why not start there? All yeah, that's right. all I got about it, Alex. Uh, let, yeah, go ahead and uh, let's let's just keep going in the same order we did. That works. That works. Yeah, my uh, my hmm. second pick here. Oh, wait, wait go a second. On. Wait a second. Let's do an intermission. Let's do an intermission. Okay. One, eight, okay. seven, seven cars for kids. Dad, can I eat the cake in the fridge? Dad replies, Sure, but the dining room would probably be more comfortable. The dining room would probably be more comfortable. Bravo. Luke can't even tell the joke because he makes himself laugh. <laughs> Oh. Well, the thing is, is I like to do these dad jokes cold. Uh, you know, I like to go in cold. <laughs> you know, but and uh, so, yeah, so you're making it worse. Because <laughs> uh, okay. okay, go, Alex. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't know if I can. I don't know. I might. I don't know if I can recover from this. <laughs> um. So. So my pick for um, my number two is Star Fox 64 that, you know, going forward to the, the N64 days, there were so many in researching 
release titles, the N64 has to be like the strongest system for release titles. It has so many. Um, but the one that really blew me away was Star Fox 64. I remember seeing it, I believe it was in Toys R Us on like a demo machine, kind of like oh, Luke seeing Breath of the Wild. So many, and, so many neck cramps. I know, I know, yeah. yeah <laughs> you're way up there playing, playing the N64. Um, and the thing that, that I saw, I wasn't even playing the game. I don't even know if I got to play it. Um, but it was the fully, fully voice acted. I had never seen a fully voice acted game before. I mean, I, I doubt that it was the first, but it, it was the first of its caliber. And and that was so mind blowing to hear to hear talking over the entire game, not just I mean, there were like on the NES and even the SNES. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was that on Star Fox. I remember Tecmo Bowl. Whenever you, whenever you win, it goes like, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, and so that wasn't new. But this was like high quality, fully all the time talking. Hey Einstein, I'm on your side. You know, do a barrel roll. All of these iconic lines coming out of the TV that stuck with me for, forever. And uh, and yeah, that's why I picked Star Fox. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just the voice acting. It was also seeing a, a 3d rendered game. It was one of the first 3d rendered games I had saw that just that combined with, um, I mean, I had played star Fox for SNES and this was like, you know, leaps and bounds above that. And with, with all of the voice acting, with all of the, the memorable iconic voices, um, Yeah. Yeah, really memorable moment, and then I finally got Star Fox and got to play it at home. And yeah, Star. What were your guys' experiences with Star Fox? Uh, I had the original one uh, when it came out, and then uh, this one, you know, it took up years later, and it felt like, and I believe they they've admitted it is basically a remake of the original one, but they they've ex- expanded it in so many excellent ways, including like uh, ground missions. Uh, right. There, there's, there, there's one ground mission where, where you blow up the uh, the depot that is just like one of my all-time favorite levels of any game. Is is that the one with the train? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I that was one of the first ones that I discovered an alternate path on. Oh yeah. That yeah, I I realized that was even a thing in the game that like oh if you get all the signposts you'll get them on an alternate path. Yep. Yeah. Everything yeah. about that. That that level is one of the most perfect levels ever made, and uh, it, it's hard to say these days with the the, the 3D platformers that have kind of lost their uh, their zeal after after better stuff has come out. But uh, that that's still one of the best levels of any 3D era. I remember um, when uh, Star Fox for N64, like they were planes. We knew they were planes, but they were triangles. They were just yeah. triangles, you know? And then in the Star Fox for N64 came out, and it looked like an actual space generation plane. It actually looked like it. And the graphics were smooth, and the, you know, the frame rate was good, 
and you were doing all kinds of cool maneuvers, but you were, it was still it was still a rail shooter, you know, it, as it were, but it didn't feel like it. Like the first one felt like it. It felt like a rail shooter, but this the the N64 one it felt like you had more control. It it is just there's not there's not enough things I can really say that hasn't already been said about how how fantastic that one was for the N64 and it showed off in comparison of you know the best that the um the the Super Nintendo could do and what the N64 could do right out of the gate the 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 difference the leap between those two and I I, th I think that that made a, a a fantastic launch title. The hatches are open. Yeah. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> Do a barrel roll. <laughs> the whole time. Fox, help me! Help me! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! I gotta pull time. out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Slippy. Uh -huh. I love Slippy. It was, <laughs> I, I okay. I I gotta know. I gotta know. Does everybody else have the same experience as I do with that game? Slippy's always the first one to die. Oh, I yeah. am. Yeah, okay. yeah. Slippy's the worst. The worst He's pilot. pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay. Voice acting in Star Fox. That's that's me, man. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go. Do it. Um, so you guys may have seen, and people on the stream have probably seen, my Nintendo shelf back here. Um, it's not so much Nintendo, but Smash Brothers. All of the characters on there, for the most part, there's some other ones. Actually, you know what? All of them have some kind of appearance in Smash Brothers. And that is my pick. But not for the uh, Nintendo 64. It's the one that the League, that I, and then most gamers consider the best Smash Brothers until Ultimate. Ultimate is a really, really great Smash Brothers. But up until then... Smash Brothers Melee for GameCube was the game. Um, so a little story to go along with this. Um, so in like the last one, this one involves Mike. Um, <laughs> when me and Mike were in college in Fairmont, um, we would stay up for hours and hours playing Smash Brothers for Nintendo 64. That game was great, um, which is it was so cool—a fighting game with Nintendo characters—and then Mike got a GameCube, <laughs> and we got—he got not me—he got Smash Brothers right away, and that is all we played, all we played, all we played. I would go over to his apartment and we would play for hours. He would come over to my apartment. 
we didn't have a GameCube there. So he would take the cables and you know what? Having a handle and having a handle on the on, on the GameCube was quite convenient. Um, You're supposed to do it. And whenever we had like a tournament or whatever, he would just bring it over to our house, you know, because you know, uh, Mike, you know, Mike was alone in his apartment, but me and my roommate Aaron, um, that that that's where we'd have the tournament. That's where we'd have you know Smash Brothers all night. And my God, that game was just so fantastic. I would like to be able to say, um, uh, I know how many hours. I put into that game, but it's got to be pushing 500, six, 700. I don't know, but my God, that game. And, and then of course I got my own GameCube and you know, I put, I don't know how many hours in, into it. I mean, Mike, I would like to know someday, you know, if your GameCube is still working or you still got your memory card, if you could even tell us how many hours, is logged on Super Smash Brothers Melee. I do still have it somewhere. Uh, the, the other thing that, that you didn't talk about is uh, we, we actually, for a month or so, had it in uh, the coffee shop there in uh, Fairmont. Uh, oh Book of Mean, may it rest in peace. Yeah. And and we would we would have like tournaments with like the patrons that came in. We they you know, they come in and sit down and play a little bit, and then uh, yeah, we we kind of uh, whooped them all, and then you know they'd leave and. They felt like they they they're satisfied. They got their coffee and their their Smash Brothers butt whooping, and um, yeah, that, that's actually my strongest memory of it, is the time we played at uh, Book and Bean. Yeah, <laughs> butt whooping. I like how you say they got their butt whooping. I still I have, have a hard time. I have a hard time beating Mike at all, at all. I don't know what it is. My, uh, I I am I Alex, you've played me several times, several times, and I'm a pretty good fighter. I I think I'm a pretty good fighter. I can usually beat Luke. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> we'll, we'll have to play sometime, Mike. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as good as I used to. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't play the game how I think that the game should be played. He plays the same character every single time and just does. No, I don't. No, not you. This oh. guy, Mike. You know what? You know what? Uh, in the book of mean sessions, I went undefeated. Pikachu. Like, I, I never lost once. Um, so, so my my my, uh, my guy's Pikachu, and uh, I I just uh, hammer out those uh, thunder shots. Yeah, Pika, Pika, my, my, Pika. on on melee. <laughs> Stupid hamster. So on on ultimate, it's different, but on melee, it was always Marth. I was a Marth guy, and I uh, I liked playing Marth. Um, there was a tournament at the uh, um, at the uh, uh, what is it? The WV uh, Popcon, and they had a tournament, and um, I I did I got pretty far. And um, what was it? Uh, I think it was one or two tiers from the top. Um, I was mar I matched up against one other guy, and he was a Roy character, and I was a Marth character, and it was 
we we were we were we were clashing swords we were hitting smashes along the same time we were both dodging and weaving and everything he actually did beat me but i remember a lot of people actually talking while we were playing the match like oh my god this is the best match we've ever seen you know that was probably the most fun i'd ever played or, or had playing smash brothers at least in recent memory um but yeah, no, Smash Brothers, system seller for GameCube. There were so many good games for GameCube, um, but Smash Brothers, it, it really takes the cake. So, um, anything else, guys, on Smash Brothers before we? Go you know, on it's I would worth mentioning the GameCube. Not many of its release titles were stuff that I would call like you know, A+. plus. A lot of uh, GameCube's best games came later on. That I'm, I'm looking through the list here. Pikmin was a release title. Oh, that was a fantastic uh, game. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, I mean, that, you know, that's, <laughs> it's, it's a short list. Mario Sunshine was there. I, that's, that's, I'm looking through the list, like, that's kind of the two. You know, Pikmin, Mario Sunshine. What else is there? Oh, Luigi's Mansion. Never mind. Okay. Okay, there's three. <laughs> so, yeah, Smash Brothers. Oh, man. See, I never had a GameCube. I never had a GameCube. I went over to my friend David's and played it. A lot. <laughs> that was when... I, I got... that, that was near to the end of Couch Co-op. I would like to say the Couch Co-op is still alive and well, but it's really not. Hmm. I got it specifically in anticipation for Metroid Prime, because um, that was that was like the one game I wanted to wanted to play when it came out immediately, and so uh, I think I got it a year or so in advance of that. So, Greg, what's your number two? Well, I had to think about it. Um, it wasn't on your list, and it's more recent, but. Um, I thought about it, and I was going to go with a PS5 game, but I decided not to. I'm going to go with a VR game. Um, Vader Immortal was a launch for Oculus. And I absolutely love it. Um, It was one of my first VR games. And there were some other games, but they didn't really immerse me into the VR that one did. That one really got me into the ER, the VR. It really immersed me, and it just had it had a good story. The story really engulfed me. It had me feeling like I had force powers. It was that immersive, and and for running on the Oculus, the first one, that little and you know standalone headset, it looked really good. It was it was it had some really decent graphics. But um, it is kind of my launch into VR. So it's it's very memorable for me. I still play it from time to time. I don't always have it installed because it takes up a lot of room. And I do have an Oculus Quest now, 2 now, which has more room on it. But um, all three episodes do take up a good bit of room. But uh, I really like it. I really wish more people got to experience it. Because uh, it's one of my favorite Star Wars games, period. 
That's high praise. That is yeah. such an exciting yeah. pick. Uh, uh, First VR game. I don't know. Like if I, you guys I were, haven't really played a lot in VR. I don't know if you guys you know? were looking, but as soon as Greg had mentioned Vader Immortal. All three of us all perked <laughs> up to say, "Oh, ooh, <laughs> yeah, get, keep going." No, Alex. that's a fan. That's a fantastic choice. No, yeah. I'm blown away by this. What? What? What is it? I don't know much about this. What's it like? All right, so you start out very mundane. You start out basically as a smuggler because you know those don't exist in Star Wars at all. No. Uh, your your co-pilot is. Uh, an android and you're just meandering through the universe and you are um, seized by imperials and so i'm standing there and i'm like well what's going on what's happened and you look up and there's a star destroyer so like you're very early into this game and you're looking up through your ship and there's a star destroyer taking you over yeah. and it drags you to mustafar because it's about vader so you're going to vader's castle um Basically, I don't want to spoil, spoil too much of the story, but you have a special Force-sensitive bloodline that he needs to try to get an item he wants to um, basically resurrect Padme. He's trying to resurrect huh. Padme. He actually has her body at the castle. Wow. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and the <laughs> lightsaber is the coolest lightsaber I've ever seen. Um, that you get from your ancestor. It's this really elegant, very, very ornate handle that comes up and it has like two wings and then it has a coil and the crystal is exposed. The crystal is oh. not in a case, it is exposed. So the energy comes up and hits the crystal and it kind of almost looks like it's short circuiting and then the beam shoots up above the crystal. Oh. That's I gotta look this up. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty good. I actually have a story to go along with this. I was actually at Walmart and I was going through the calculations in my head of how much it was gonna be. And I decided not to pull the trigger. Um I, I ended up doing something else at the time i forget what it was but i actually was in the store considering buying an oculus one to play that game that game specifically i almost pulled the trigger to play that game it, it was it was one of the game. there were multiple games but it was one of the games that made me think i want I want this. I wanted the system because one, I didn't need to upgrade my computer or anything. To I, it was a standalone, but this was one of the games that was specifically for that device that made me go, "Well, this device will play this game, and I really want to see this game." Now, since you have the two now, are, did you get uh, Resident Evil Four? No, um, my backlog is huge and my wallet is empty, so I'm <laughs> I'm not. I don't have it yet. Isn't that the have it eventually. Isn't that the swan song of gamers? I will have it eventually because um, I don't know what it is. But if I don't spend money on that on the Oculus Store for like two or three months, they send me ten dollars, oh. which is a lot for the Oculus Store because a lot of the games are only ten or fifteen dollars. Uh, each episode of Vader Immortal was ten dollars, I think. 
So the, all three of them put together was thirty dollars. I've heard a lot of good things um, about Resident Evil Four for VR. I I am not the biggest Resident Evil fan, but I still want to play the VR version. Oh, four was um, four was the game changer. Yeah. No pun intended. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it's well, the best one. I think one. Um, when when I play horror games on a TV screen, there's nothing horror about them. They don't frighten me, scare me. It's like, okay, it's just a, I like the genre, but it's just another type of game. I have a sneaky feeling, on the other hand, playing it in VR with 3D audio might be a whole different experience. It'd be something. It, it, it'd be interesting to uh, film you on the outside, like your, just your reactions to things. I would love to see what I look like, because I've seen other people play VR, and you look so stupid. Oh. <laughs> you really do. One of Cassie's favorite things is to watch, to, to, to film me playing super hot. <laughs> I, I kind of want to see this now. <laughs> yeah. She makes a lot money off that. Um, yeah. Super hot is such, it is the game that I play when I play VR. I I I I love that game in VR. Alex is really good too. Have you played that, Greg? Which one's Alex? Half Life, Alex. Oh, uh, no. Oh no, man, that, that is. <sighs> I have quite a few VR games, but I don't think I have that one. Well, that one has. That one's a Steam exclusive. Um, All right, so I I only play them on the standalone because. It's not that my PC is not powerful enough. It's just that they haven't. They've decided they didn't bother making it compatible with Oculus Link yet, so it doesn't run very. It will run some games, but it doesn't run very well over the Oculus Link at the moment. Okay, I'll tell you, Luke. You want to get views for this channel? You upload those videos of you playing Super Hot. It might blow up. Yeah. Hey, I blew up on the last <laughs> two videos, so I don't know if I. I'm not going to really say that 3,000 <laughs> is blow up when other people are getting yeah. 3 million. Yeah. So. No, I want to see I want to see Luke with the goggles on there. Oh, God, they're all over the place. That, oh, that, that feels like a very niche uh, TikTok type of uh, subject, like, like, like virtual reality reactions. Uh, uh, I've yeah. watched that. Uh, Have you watched people play online that you don't uh, see inside the game because they look so terribly goofy? <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Yeah, it, it's uh, hilarious. Now, if you see them in, like, if they have the technology to make it look like they're in the game, like they do that with Beat Saber all the time, yeah, that's boring. But when yeah. you watch these people, and some of them are so into it that they have like the three dimensional treadmill where they can walk around without actually moving, and they still look goofy. People <laughs> might get scared and jumps and like runs into like furniture or something like that. There's, all, there's, all, there's all kinds of good bloopers of people like falling onto furniture, walking into walls. It's great. Yeah. I haven't got to play very much in the way of VR. I played a little bit at my buddy Brian's house, but like that's it. I haven't really. I don't have a VR system. Um, Maybe someday. Hey, uh, looking, at, looking at time. The Quest is great. Yeah, yeah. What's yours, Mike? Yeah, we, we should move on. We should move on. <laughs> We're doing pretty good, though. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish strong. My, my uh, final pick is uh, Super Mario Brothers for the Super NES, uh, which plays off Alex's a little bit. But uh, I, I really I had the opportunity to pick Super Mario Brothers, and I decided not to because... The leap I felt from Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario World, um, which I realize is probably what I meant to say earlier, 
uh, was just like amazing from like the leaping graphics, the leaping, uh, the more things you could do within the side scrolling environment. Uh, I remember first seeing like uh, ads for it, uh, I think during like ET, like Thanksgiving of, I guess that was 1992 maybe. And uh, just, just being like, this is incredible. And then around that same time, there was a Walmart that opened uh, near us. And anytime we went to that Walmart, it was like, look, they had the, the console demos there where you could play uh, Super Mario World. And we would, like, ditch our parents and just stay there and play the whole time to, to where... Um, Neck cramps! They, they, they'd have to kick us off uh, so other people could play. Like, there's a line forming behind us, and they'd have to kick us off. Uh, but to me, uh, that, that's my all-time favorite launch title, just for the sheer excitement of how I felt at that time. Cause by that point I was like a fully formed gamer and uh, this was the next big thing. And I had, had to get on it and you know, I was you know 11 at the time. So I also didn't have any kind of money <laughs> to put towards that kind of thing. So uh, we did get it for Christmas. I think that following year. Um, and yeah, it was just, I mean, that, that was the, the, the console itself is what changed my life. Um, I got Mario paint at the same time, which I didn't think to look up whether that was a launch title and that basically shaped my entire career into design. Uh, but, but we've talked about that in the past. Yeah. Um, but the super Mario world, um, just like leaps and bounds was just a huge jump. Um, just in everything, and uh, I, I want to touch too because I thought it was funny that n none of us picked uh, uh, Mario 64, which always seems to me to get like the high marks for like the biggest jump between like technology and Mario games. But uh, I was never really that sold on that game, to be honest. Um, and still my favorite, I, I it's funny, like, I, I like. I like Mario Odyssey, but like I, I, I did some soul searching this week as to why I didn't pick it, why no one else picked it, and I come to realize that I just don't like 3D platformers like that. Uh, I, th I think platformers are best served on a Super Nintendo type console, or um, like the uh, latest Metroid um, installment where it's yeah. 2.5. That's a fantastic going, way to yeah. uh, introduce or to reintroduce. Because that was the perfect way to present that game to the world. And I'm really glad they did it that way. That, that was a bold choice, and I commend them for making it. Um, no, I do have a story about, like, if you're going to bring up Mario 64, like, the intro sequence where Lakitu comes on and does, like, the swooping camera. Lakitu. and you see all of it. Yeah. yeah. I was that, trying to remember um, his name. Yeah, yeah. Like, that scene was like the introduction of 3D gaming in general to me, to me, you know, it was yeah. the first time I had ever seen anything rendered in 3D. And like, that was the first game that I booted up my, my N64 and, and, and played that. And just that, you know, the music, the, the, you know, it was, it was ushering in a new era of gaming or something like that. It, it really did feel that way. So yeah, honorable mention Mario 64. So, yeah. um, Alex, um, I'd like you to go into, or, or, you know, I can go ahead and go into this as well. Um, we'll, we, we'll, we'll just bounce back, back and forth. Um, you might notice that there are, uh, overabundance of Nintendo launch titles. 
why didn't we mention a lot of Xbox or a lot of PlayStation or any of that? Go back and look at that list. Go back and look at when those games came out, especially the PlayStation 1. The launch titles of the first year of when the PlayStation 1 was out was abysmal. Yeah. One of the reasons, though, I think, I think, is more or less that it was Sony, Sony the music company, Sony the movie company, was just testing the waters at this point. It was a market that was completely dominated by Nintendo. So they were trying to do it. Microsoft was kind of the same way, too, if you think about it. They were just kind of trying to test the waters to get into it. You know, there were a few, I'm looking through the list here, there were a few sports games, which like, you know, I'm not a big fan of, I play them sometimes, but uh, there were a few sports games on it. There was Gex, does anybody remember Gex? I do. You I know? Do. It sucks. Um, <laughs> Jupiter Strike, Siberia, Crazy Ivan, Hardball 5, uh, these are um, ATV Off-Road Racing. I remember, I remember playing that at my cousin Todd's house. Uh, cre- the, so the the uh, PS One came out in September of 1995. Crash Bandicoot came out September of 1996. I feel like that was the the PS One's first like gotta have it title. Yeah, that didn't come out to a year, you know, a full year. Now they came back strong with PlayStation Two. There was a lot of good launch titles for PlayStation Two. Um, but like Xbox, same thing. Name name uh, one. Name one. One for PS2. One for P- PlayStation Two. Oh, um, because I have a list, <laughs> and I, I think the same for PS2. Really, really. I, I was looking um, through the list, and I was like, I, I remember that that game was good. That game was good. Go 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 with the list. The the li- I mean I'm just picking out my ones that I remember Dynasty Warriors two we used mm. to play that at Brian's house um, ESPN Winter X Games Dead or Alive two Hardcore yeah you know, I remember that one that. FIFA two thousand one uh, ATV Off Road Fury uh, again now like, I do remember that there was a high game. heat major league baseball. I remember is, that being is rival yeah. schools on there. Checking it. Not seeing it. Okay. So rival schools, it came out in the early, or early when PlayStation two had launched. And I still, to this day, remember the tagline that they had for rival schools. And it was, Boobies bounce better on PlayStation 2. <laughs> I might remember that ad. I remember, yeah. Why are you telling me about that ad? Look at it was Klonoa. true, too. Remember that? Um, Kessen? Well, Did anybody play Kessen? I played Kessen. That one okay. was actually okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, and, of course, we're even talking about Xbox. That we could mention... The launch titles of Xbox, but everybody knows what the launch game was for Xbox. And that was Halo. 
Yeah. It was the killer game. No, I do want to give an honorable mention mention to Halo. Yeah. Like, if we're yeah. on honorable mention list, Halo, absolutely. Let's jump to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't pick it because I thought someone else was going to. Yeah. <laughs> I never had an Xbox. I never, I never played Halo, but I know I went over to friends' houses a lot, a whole lot to play both Halo and Halo Two. I, I got an Xbox just to play that. Yeah, or play, play Halo Two. Actually. So many people did. It's what I could do. I just waited until yeah. it came on PC, and then me and Mike and Aaron, we played it every night or every week. It was like. What what was it like every Saturday? We yeah, all, yeah, we all played um, for a little while, all playing because it was the only place to play Halo online. You couldn't do that on Xbox. That's right. I just remembered the LAN parties where people would hook up Xboxes together. Oh my! Did gosh. you ever witness that? Yeah, <laughs> all the time, all the time. Not witness. Used to go to my... Participate. Oh yeah, yeah. Big huge did. line of Xboxes all connected. It was a, no, ever... it was a phenomenon, dude. It really yeah. was. Halo was a phenomenon. It was. And then Halo Call... parties. And then Call there of were Duty Halo came... parties. Call of Duty yeah. came, and then then it, the Halo parties turned into Call of Duty parties, and then then mm. sports bars were starting to have Call of Duty parties, and then it killed it. Hmm. So. Darn sport cars. Um, and then there's any other there's honors? also like Sega consoles. The the answer to every Sega console is going to be Sonic. Sonic. Like you know what what is the game that why did you buy a Sega console to play Sonic? You know, I remember desperately wanting a Sega Genesis when I was little, and I never got one. I never got one because I wanted I wanted to play Sonic so bad. And of course, my parents were. You already have a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo. We're not getting you another console. And, and, and understandable, you know, understandable totally. Uh, I had to obtain my own, and I I liked it. Right, I did. <laughs> I ended up with all three. And Sonic is a fantastic reason to buy a a, a Sega console. No, know. that was correct. Yeah, that was the I'm, majority of what was played. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Crazy Taxi a Dreamcast launch? I think Ooh, I think it man. was. Did I did I track that? I never I, even saw a Dreamcast. I did. I didn't look them up that far yeah, yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm maybe launch up. Because I remember that I wanted a Dreamcast just to play Crazy Taxi. I still, that's still the game I play on Dreamcast uh, emulated. That and um, uh, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. Oh man, I love that game. Oh, yes. oh I love that game. Uh, fun fact, uh, the Sega Genesis has the best version of Shaq Fu. That it has two characters that the other consoles don't have. Right. <laughs> Shameless plug for um, the RGCWV spinoff show, uh, Bobby's Classic Cartridge Catalog, and Shaq Fu is one of the games that we play. Did, did you play the Sega version? Yes, we did. We did. We played nice. the Sega version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have some other episodes of of uh, Bobby's Classic Cartridge Catalog coming soon. Uh, not there yet, but soon. Any other honorable mentions from you guys? Stuff that just didn't quite make the list or wanted to talk about? 
Yeah, <laughs> looking through it was hard to find to compile this based on my uh, parameters. Uh, Halo is the only one I can think of that I I, I probably would have picked. I will mention one thing, um, and Greg touched on this. Um, we have never had such an abysmal generational launch as the current one right now. That's true. Because, <laughs> I mean, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is fantastic. Great That's game. But what else yeah, is there for PlayStation? The, the, I mean, those are both under a year, so technically they count. Yeah. They're, they're, there's so many people that are so convinced that there's so many good games in the first year of both the two new consoles. And I really think a lot of it is just they're a fanboy or fangirl for that console because I played a lot of launch titles on both. And I was not feeling it for most of the launch titles, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, shoot, the Xbox didn't even have Halo. And that's always been their launch title. Every single time. Yeah. That's very true. That said, you know, we look back at uh, really both both PlayStation and Xbox have been uh, rather uh, barren in their first year. Mm-hmm. All of them. PS1, I, 2, 3, Xbox 360, all of them. I had, I had every PlayStation, but I can't remember a first year game that I was really fond of for any of them and we we've brought up nintendo so many times because nintendo that's their business model they know what sells their consoles it's their good software but that that's also something that i'd like to point out that both microsoft and sony have kind of figured out now five generations in um is that nintendo can make their own software they are a both first party software developer and a console developer microsoft and um sony have never really had that not until recently when both playstation and xbox have bought studios have they really been able to to say that they have they can develop their software first party and i think that i think that is the cap on this entire episode is that nintendo is that first party developer that also sells their first party consoles i i think that's a a, a major point because it doesn't matter what the console is most nintendo consoles will have some level of success just because i want zelda i want mario i want animal crossing i want pokemon like just just because i want nintendo games yeah people do that and that's not to say that good games don't come out on these on these consoles. It just usually takes a while. PS One had some fantastic, memorable games. From Metal Gear Solid. Bandit. Metal Gear Solid is on PS One. Come on, but didn't come out in the, the first year. <laughs> the other way to look at that too is Sony and Microsoft also sell their systems as media devices, not exclusively for games like. Streaming is now a big component in both those systems where it's not so much a Nintendo. They they have much more focus on their games than what... You can stream uh, the, Hulu. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I never thought about that. Is a release title for PlayStation One a DVD or no PS2 a DVD player? Hey, oh, because oh. people bought that as a DVD player. You know, yeah. I have a story okay. for that. I have a story okay. for that. So, okay, Showstopper. Showstopper. I've got a story <laughs> for that that ties into this. Okay, does everybody remember HD DVDs? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, oh yes. And Blu-rays. Does anybody know why HD DVDs did not win? Sony. Yeah, I feel like you told the story before, but I can't remember the answer. Sony, Sony. actually had a big promotion multiple different chain stores for the Blu-ray where they were selling the both the console and three DVDs. So you got three free DVDs and the game, I think it was, and the console itself. It was a huge seller. My friend Matt was actually working at at Walmart when this happened. And he literally said to himself, this is going to kill HD DVD. So he yeah, there's just... nothing wrong with the HD DVD, but Sony outpaced Microsoft on promoting it. Yeah. Because yeah. after the 360, the Xbox went to Blu-ray. It's so weird how yeah. some sometimes these consoles or, or hardware or whatever can completely drive the world overreaching yeah. to multiple different facets i mean just look at the uh, just look at the uh, um the launch of the iphone yeah. now it's now 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 everybody has 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 an iphone um uh, there's there's one holdout in alex please please don't ever change because i i i i have my confidence that at least somebody that i know still has an android phone Oh, I, I have Android. Okay, two people. Yeah. Oh, Blackberry. Yeah. Blackberry. Blackberry too. <laughs> Blackberry. And Blackberry was Blackberry was doing what iPhone did before iPhone did it. Actually, that's... actually, well, yes, Blackberry, but the first actual operating system for cell phone was yeah, really the Palm yeah. Centro. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Probably brush into a whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we really yeah. could. Um, so but, let's. Um... You know. Yeah. I gotta say, honorable mention to. I never thought about this. Uh, honorable mention to DVD player and Blu-ray player as release title. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a reason to buy those consoles. That was my justification for buying a PlayStation Two when mm. I was in college because I couldn't afford. It, but I was like, but I can play movies, so that's all I need. I, I can go to the yeah. video store and rent movies. Bam. DVD player. That's so. a fine point. Yep. So, um, uh, we're uh, at 810 now, so let's go ahead and do Geek Outs, and then we'll finish out this episode. The desserts. The desserts of the episode. Um, if you caught the beginning, have a beginning part of the stream, um, that was what we were talking about, was breaking down um, what a podcast should be. <laughs> so, um... Uh, who you know what, Mike? I think you're chomping at the bit. Go ahead and tell us yeah. what yours oh, is. We'll go in reverse order from uh, the episode. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so first of all, I, I want a quick shout out because 
we haven't talked about games that we played recently. So, quick shout out: we already mentioned Metroid uh, Dread, which is amazing, and uh, second shout out to Deathloop, which is also amazing. And hopefully, we can talk about that sometime in the future. Uh, so, my geek out is food related, uh, and and it kind of goes back to something we talked about in the episode too, uh, with uh, uh, Booking Bean. Uh, you remember that place, Luke? Do you remember the Booking Bean? Oh, I do remember the Booking Bean. I also remember the, not the Pat's Cheese Melt, but the Yuppie Melt, which was just the Pat's Cheese Melt with Capicola on it. I, I made that for dinner tonight, Luke. You made a Yuppie Melt. I did. And, and so I got, I got to think about, the, like, booking me nostalgia, because I had that garden cream cheese that, that really ties oh, the bagels yeah. together. Um, but, but not only that, uh, it, with the sandwich, we had leftover Italian wedding soup that I made from scratch, um, which was also a thing that I first discovered at Book of Bean. So, so my, my quick geek out was just uh, West Virginia-oriented, uh, Fairmont-oriented, uh, Book and Bean-oriented, because both those things happened there. And it was cool we got to talk about Smash Brothers tournament there, too. Yeah, right? So it just, just ties it all nice together. Um, so shout out to that place, because I miss it, and the people. Yeah. Yeah, I actually uh, just sent... Uh... So Lori, uh, it was her birthday the other day, and yeah. um, I uh, I uh, posted one of the comics on the bar strip. It was the one where where she was talking about what what um, um, Mocha Java coffee is. Uh, oh, yeah. If you remember that one, and uh, I was like, I was like, Lori, may we never. You know what? May we change a little. <laughs> Now I want to jump and shake. Because that—that's the thing. That's the thing. We—we—we we, we all say, "Hey, let's not change from when we were in college." But I don't know about you, but I wasn't the best person in college. I've grown a lot, so maybe I—may I change a little from when I was in college? Yeah, not all change is bad. Yeah, a little a, bit of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not be so arrogant to think that we uh, we came out perfect right out of the gate that's right right out of high school we were perfect <laughs> yeah, right. and ne- never got better never got better oh man okay um let's see uh greg or alex greg, greg you go okay greg um i think mine right now is cloud gaming hmm I, I I'm really enjoying cloud gaming. I do cloud game at home, but I do more of it mobily because the idea that I can be sitting somewhere bored out of my mind and pull out my phone and play a Xbox or PC game at 1080 on my screen with my controller. Cause I bought two controllers just to cloud game. Um, really like it. Um, and I like that, um, most of them sync, well, they all sync across platforms, some of them across more platforms, but, um, so you can play it at home. You can play, uh, you can play on a computer or TV, your phone. Um, that, that would be mine at the moment. Um, because that's becoming my form of, uh, portable gaming now more than like mobile games or a switch is being able to take my phone don't have to carry an extra device because most of the games will run with touch and then sitting there playing a console or a pc game 
with ray tracing even on, on my phone. That's kind of insane. That's pretty cool, though. You're you're the one person that I know of that is all all into game games as a service. There eventually. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're all gonna get there eventually. Yeah. I, I I definitely I, I'm, I'm doing hybrid right now. I like to buy and I like to have service yeah. both. Um. So you got like Luna, which is purely service, and then you got Stadia, which is like you buy, and then I've got console like Xbox, where I'm doing both. I'm buying games and I have games as a service. Um, I I truly believe that this generation of consoles is the last one. Hmm. As much as Maybe I don't, not that soon. As much as I don't want to think that, I think hmm. that. I think you'll get another one or two generations, but they won't look like they do now. They will they will go through a metamorphosis. The uh, Xbox is already getting very close to just being a PC anyway, to be honest. It's always <laughs> been that. It's Oh no, it's closer than it's it's closer than it's been in the past to be in one. Yeah. I, I'm surprised they just don't go ahead and just put regular old windows on it at this point. It actually does. It's just it's a stripped down version. Yeah. So. I'm surprised it just doesn't have full functional on it. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, I'll let I'll let Luke go last. You mind? <laughs> go ahead. No, you you no, you close ahead. it out. You go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're gonna close the things out because because mine's not that good. Uh, well, it's a little bit good. Um, so I got for That's Christmas. <laughs> I got um a dehydrator for Christmas Ooh. that I've been using to like dehydrate hot peppers and I, I've been also been working on ramps. Dehydrator I, I picked <laughs> ramps, okay, in in the um in the, when they were growing and froze them for for multiple purposes for making hot sauce, but I still have the greens from the ramps that I, I'm working on dehydrating them to make like a ramp spice so that I can have ramps year-round. My, my goal is to, in some form, have ramps year-round. And, yeah. and I'm hoping, yes, yes. Um, now, to any of our listeners who who not from West Virginia don't know what ramps are, they're a, they're a kind of wild leek that tastes like uh, onions and garlic and like nothing ever they're they're very very strong very strong smell stinks up my entire house when i have the dehydrator running and uh it <laughs> smells fantastic uh <laughs> I mean, the same time is a good way to describe it actually yes truthfully yeah. i mean i've got your ramp hot sauce that mm-hmm. um uh thank you for that um really good on stuff really good on oh, yeah. stuff um, I've had it on uh, sandwiches. I've had it. I've cooked it in stuff, and um, I'm not just the only one that likes it too. Um, I've had a, a several other people try it, and uh, I really like it. Um, it's not. It's not too much. When I say ramp hot sauce, people, you know, you know, but, but uh, <laughs> not, not so much. What were you saying? Well, I've, I've been dehydrating uh, ramp greens, and I don't know how they're going to turn out. But my, my intention is to make a spice out of them. Well, that's actually yeah. that's actually what I do with uh, the, with those over there. Mm-hmm. Um, the I I hang peppers 
for six months to a year, and then I put it, run them through the spice grinder, um, and I make Luke's spicy spice. That's that's what I call it. Well, I'm gonna make my rampy ramps. (laughs) Yeah, you you should uh, make small batches of that and sell it as like NFTs. Uh, no, <laughs> you can't mass produce it. You might as well uh, go go bougie with it. <sighs> you, you've made us all worse for that. <laughs> so so, Luke, close it out, man. Okay. So my geek out is actually multifaceted. Um, you know, because what? Why? When can I ever make anything simple? Um, so my geek out is actually Fleetwood Mac, the chain. I love that song. I love Fleetwood Mac, but that is my favorite song from Fleetwood Mac. And I was driving in the car about a month ago and I forgot how much I loved that song and it started playing on the radio. I was actually having a bad day. I was having a bad day, and that came on the the radio, and I was in so much better of a mood. In fact, uh, um, I I came home, and Cassie's like, you know, I'm sorry you had to go do that and everything, but and I was like, you know what? The chain was playing, so I'm good. (laughs) The reason why this is multifaceted is because that song made me think of um the game that i asked for for christmas and i got and every time that i listen to the song because i listen to it almost every day now um makes me think of what i'm playing right now which is guardians of the galaxy because guardians of the galaxy 2 the song for the trailer was Fleetwood Mac the Chain. So every time I play uh, I play the game, I think of the song and when every time I think of the song, I play the game. You know, it's it's yeah. I, it's in the movie too. Yeah, it's in the movie too. You know what's really upsetting though? You know, not so much is it's not on the soundtrack of the game. It's not in oh. the game. But I mean, they got oh. a lot of really good songs in there. Um, they do. There's a big soundtrack to that game. One of my favorite ways to play that game is when you're like going through a big battle. Sometimes you'll ask all everybody to huddle up, and you you give them a you know pep talk or whatever, and then he plays you know one of the songs in the '80s on loudspeaker, and it my favorite one that he plays is "Flock of Seagulls." <laughs> Whenever he starts, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Because the fight picks up. You get more powerful if the huddle's successful. So he blares this music, and the rest of your fight, that's the fight song. Yeah. It's whatever 80s song he's blaring. And I have thought about streaming that game, but if you stream it, all that music gets muted. Oh, yeah. And it just would not have the experience if you could not hear the songs in this game. So what you got to do is sing it. That's what you got to do. You've got the touch. You get the power. There you go, and man. The you. You know what? Keep, you keep going. Keep going, Alex. Keep, keep singing. Go ahead. <laughs> keep singing for us. Oh, wait. He's muted. 
<laughs> you better you, not have. Yeah, no, I did on the stream. I can mute you on the stream. <laughs> well, that's what you should do. That's what you should do, Greg. You should you should sing along when you stream that. I've actually been thinking about uh, streaming a game too. It's uh, playing Ghost of Tsushima in the uh, the Japanese mode. You know, the black and white. Um, Kurosawa mode. Yeah, Kurosawa mode. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, with subtitles and everything, I I feel like that would be a good stream. I need some time to sit down and play through that. You know, because I might finish that game someday if it didn't have side quest and photo mode. Oh man, <laughs> I, I used photo mode I, so much in that game. <laughs> I got the coolest snapshot from um, Guardians of the Galaxy last night. Um, it was right when when. Um, uh, rocket was uh, i got everybody's special skill all at the same time and they were oh, nice and i was uh fighting one of the big uh androids and so it was is rocket's five barrel is great it looks so cool so it's a beautiful game too like uh individual strands of hair like this game is very detailed it's very it's very beautiful but the thing is that I've been telling other people that have like a play uh, have like a PlayStation Four or you know uh, the Xbox Last Generation whatever it was called, um, this game, the graphics are not what's making it fun. Oh, it's not. No, you no, can it's the story and the music and the 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 voice acting. The voice acting is very on par. It really is. Um, it was so funny though. Bella came in. And she's like, "Why is Star Lord blonde?" And I'm like, "He was blonde in the comics." This the 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 game is actually more accurate to the comics than the um uh um than the movie. And they're nowhere is better. In the second the second movie, where at the end credits, every everything is like gold and everything, and um they 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 release this one guy and they're like what are they gonna what are we what are we gonna call him and uh the one lady's like we will call him adam that was adam warlock and they never use that in the mcu they may someday i don't know oh they've cast him but um but that's a that's this game is kind of a resolution to that story line because this this dives deep into adam warlock so in his storyline so that's a good it i can't say enough about that game and that song it's a really good game it's a really good game yeah so um alex uh you were our host tonight um any uh sign off words uh you know thanks for listening and you know put some thought into um, games that came out really early in the in the console's lifespan and maybe also games that came out really late into a game's con uh, a console's lifespan because there was a special place for them too oh actually aren't we planning on doing a podcast here in the next couple months <laughs> well that's what i was trying to be a little subtle about <laughs> uh yeah yeah we uh we're probably going to talk about games that came out really late into a console's lifespan uh, eventually that really showed off its full potential 
or or just did more than anything else that was done on the console. And there is a lot of it, it's it, it holds a special place for me. A console that has like a, a swan song game. Yeah. It's final final farewell. It's final best work. And a lot of consoles have some some really clear best best titles. Right. Can we call it on that now? Huh? <laughs> What'd you say? Mike? So can we, can we call call dibs on that now? <laughs> well, yes, yeah. Well, I, we'll, I, I we'll, feel we'll like work we're that go- out. I feel like we're going to all fight, uh, or at least two of us are going to fight over. That's my concern. I'm, I'm worried now. You said it like that. I'm like, oh, I don't care. My, mine, yeah. You guys pick what you want to pick, but uh, I'm calling Ghost but, of Tsushima. Yeah. I'm yeah. calling it now. Sorry. <laughs> how did i know yeah (laughs) but yeah there's a special place for uh those late release games that just did fantastic things that the console nobody thought it was capable of doing now and uh and i want to talk about that we're we're not going to just do one per person we're going to do just like this one two two per person i think um so um two oh also i want to talk about the the next episode um, the next episode, um, since we don't want to do just games, you know, even though that's what we talk about a lot, the next thing that we're going to talk about, the next podcast, is actually going to be related to those over there, the thing we were talking about just a minute ago. Um, we are going to have a podcast. Um, me and Alex um, are very deep into both growing our own peppers fermenting our own peppers that's what's happening right here is fermenting um and um and then making hot sauces or jellies or whatever um and so that's what the podcast is going to be about it's going to be uh um, our experiences lessons learned uh, a few tips and tricks and um uh, you know hopefully you guys learn something but also um hopefully uh you get to uh, geek out along with us about uh hot peppers and fermenting and hot sauces and everything like that so uh, that's going to be the next episode um and then after that i think will be the uh, episode about the uh, late console releases um so uh alex if you don't mind i'm gonna finish this out at the very end um so this has been rgcwv random geek culture in west virginia your host tonight was alex um, and uh, with us was also uh, Greg and Mike and me. And uh, if you like this, drop us a like. Hit subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Do all of the things. Also, leave us a comment. Tell us what your favorite games were that launched. And um, yeah, I'll be watching the comments. You know, all of us will be watching the comments. And uh, if you have one that you want to get our opinion on, just give us a uh, comment and we'll comment right back. We'll tell you what we think. Sometimes... What? That was you. Oh. Really? I turned the live feed on. Oh. <laughs> Am I that loud? You're so, talking anyway. to yourself. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, go into the uh, about section. Um, it will take you to Linktree, and it will take you to all the other social media places that we post on. Um, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, you know, and then also the podcast. 
Um, the audio version of this podcast will be published up there here in the next couple days. And um, so you can listen to it in your car while you're driving to wherever. And um, thanks, guys, for listening, watching, doing all of the things. Uh, we enjoy doing this. This is a hobby. But uh, we enjoy that uh, other people also enjoy this. So anyway, as always, welcome to the end. Welcome to the end. Welcome to the end.